Morning, Marty. Fuck you. What's this? That's money I've been saving, Dad. Six hundred dollars you've been saving? Would you become a brain surgeon overnight? I love that movie. What movie is that from? Let me know after you're done listening to this episode. Anyways, what's going on, everybody? My name is Nick Cassano. I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for joining me on episode two of Nikki Podcast. If you listen to episode one, I just want to say a big thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you all. It means the world to me. If I could buy every single one of you as a Christmas gift, I would, but I can't. So I've been trying to think of ideas or concepts that I'm going to talk about when I don't have a guest on, and this is one that keeps coming back, and this is the reason it's episode two. Folks, being the funny guy sometimes has some consequences, and I've run into countless scenarios where being the funny guy doesn't turn out to be so funny. And I mean that in a sense to where you think you're like, or you're trying to impress, you're trying to be funny, you're trying to entertain, and it just like some fucked up shit happens, and you find yourself in a sticky situation. And, you know, I hear it from my dad all the time. Nick, listen, I think you're a great kid, okay? But being a court jester all the time is going to wind you into some trouble. And he's right. I mean, I never really fully grasped it. But then as you grow up and as you get into certain situations in life, you start to realize that, damn, like, you shouldn't really try to be the the court jester or the funny guy. You should just naturally let it happen. Because if you try, you get caught up and then you get into yourself a couple of situations that you'd rather not be in. And, you know, you don't always have to wind up in, like, a really bad situation where you end up, like, getting hurt or something like that. But I'm sure many people can attest to this. Oh, you see that vocab word? Attest. Nikki vocabs. Anyways, I'm sure a lot of people can attest to either they're trying to make someone laugh or, or they're trying to be the funny person. And all of a sudden they say something or they do something that they're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have done that down the road or whatever after the situation occurs. That happens to me very, very frequently, right? But... There's also some times where you either end up in the hospital or you get the police called on you, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, I think it's important that I preface this. I, Nick Cassano, am probably the world's biggest phase guy. I'm not talking about the gaming community, the gamer, whatever, the phase clan. I'm talking about, like, phase. Like, I go through phases, and when I go through these phases, I go all in, okay? And I've been this way ever since I was a little boy. Like, for example, two years ago, I really wanted to get into boxing, right? And I joined the gym with the heavy bags, the speed bags and stuff like that. And I bought all the, like, I bought the gloves. I bought the hand wraps. I looked up on YouTube how to do everything. I became fully invested in it. I dropped 15 pounds. I didn't pick up a weight for two months. And I was convinced I was going to be the next Floyd Mayweather, right? I was going like twice, three times a day to the gym, hitting the bag, this and that, studying at, at night. The point of the story is I get fully invested in these phases, okay? Like two years ago, if you would ask me during this phase, like what you're going to do with your life, I would have been like, oh, I'm going to be a pro boxer. I'm going to grind. I'm going to be a pro boxer. That's just the kind of guy I am. People, they see me on the street. Hey, Nikki Cat. No, no, no. Call me Nikki Balboa. No, I'm just kidding. But you get the point, right? So when I was in the fifth grade, I was obsessed with magic. Oh, ladies, please, please keep your pants on. I understand. But just relax. I friggin' loved magic. I loved it. I was passionate about it. I would come home. I had the magic kit. I went to Walmart. I got myself the Chris Angel's magic kit. I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'd come home. I'd practice my magic tricks. I'd look it up on YouTube. I'd do it for five minutes, and I'd go into the kitchen and show my mom. I messed it up every single time, but she still thought it was amazing because she's the best. She's my mom. 
And that's what I did. I would just, I would come home from school. I'd practice my magic and I put on shows Friday nights for my family, right? You ever like think back at shit you used to do when you were a kid and you, you get so cringed out, you want to like throw up? That's me with the magic. But back then, I thought I was the man. I mean, people would come over for dinner and I'd run into my, run into my room and whip out the magic kit and I'd go to work. I got to the point where, like, people come over to work on the house, like, like workers, like plumbers, guys doing the floor. I'd say, hey, Mr. Plumber, check this shit out. Bang. Make a coin disappear in my hand. Plumber was dumbfounded. His ass crack was out too. So when this story happened, I was at the peak of my magic performance. I was practicing every day. I had the tricks down. I mastered the Chris Angel magic kit. And so my parents invited uh, a group of their friends over for dinner, and they had kids. When you're when you're young and and you're in elementary school, and and your parents invite their their friends over, and they have kids, you got to commingle. You know what I'm saying? And so my parents are eating dinner, and we're all just, like the kids are just like hanging out, and I think it's a perfect opportunity to showcase my skills. So I went to my room and I took out the magic kit, and I said, "All right, Nick, it's time to go. It's time to perform." And I gathered all, <laughs> I gathered all the kids like me. And, like, I think there was probably like four or five, including my sister. And I put on a magic show in my parents' room. And I wanted to I wanted to go above and beyond this time. I did. I wanted to, I wanted, my goal was for the kids to leave the dinner and say, wow, I can't believe what I just saw, right? And in order to do that, I felt that it would be a great opportunity to test out this new trick that I've never tried before. And that was I was going to make a dime disappear in my mouth. So my plan was is I was going to put the dime in my mouth, which is mistake number one because that's frigging gross. And now with the whole pandemic going on, it's even more gross thinking about it. But I was going to put the dime in my mouth and I was going to like slide it under my tongue. And then I was going to open my mouth and stick my tongue out and it would look as if I swallowed it. And then I was going to amaze them by doing that. But then I was going to like move my mouth around in a sense that like I was trying to get it back up from my stomach. And then I was going to pull it out of my mouth. But meanwhile, I was always going to be under my tongue. So I take the dime and I put it in my mouth and I fucking swallowed it. The second I swallowed the dime, my stomach dropped to my ass. I was in complete shock. I was like, Nick, how the fuck did you just swallow a dime? You didn't put it under your tongue. You cracked under the pressure once again, and you swallowed the dime. So now I'm freaking out, right, for two reasons. One, these kids are expecting me to pull a dime out of my out of my mouth at the end of this trick. And two, how the hell am I going to stop this dinner that's going on in the other room and tell my mom that I had just swallowed a dime? So what did I do? I said, uh-oh, and I ran into the kitchen, and I nudged my mom. I said, hey, Ma, um, I just swallowed a dime. I don't think I've ever seen a dinner wrap up that quick. It was like before I could blink my eyes, the family that was over was in the car on their way home, and I was sitting on my mom's bed with her yelling at me, asking me how I swallowed a fucking dime. Say, Nick, this is what you get. You try to impress everybody, and look, look at where you ended up, huh? So we ended up going to the ER, and I had to explain to the nurses and everything, hi, how you doing? I'm an aspiring magician. I fucked up on a trick. I swallowed a dime. Now we're here. And got an x-ray, everything like that. And it was funny. The x-ray came back, and it was like my rib cage. And in the x-ray, you could see, like, this silver dot, like, by my stomach. So it's proof of concept. I really did swallow the dime. But that ain't the funniest part about this whole story. The recovery is really what makes this story a great one. So the doctors advised me. They said, Nick, it's going to come out the other end. You just got to keep an eye out when you go to the bathroom. Okay. Keep in mind, I'm 10. I got to go into school the next day. So my parents, they were bugging out about it a little bit, as any parent would, and they wanted to make sure that the dime got out over the next few days, right? 
So the next day at school, I was strapped up with latex gloves in my bag, and I had to tell the nurse, the school nurse, what had happened and what this poor lady needs to do every time I take a shit. I walked into the nurse's office. I said, excuse me, Miss Nurse. I forget her name. I swallowed a dime over the weekend, and my doctor and my mom tells me every time I go number two, you need to check to see if the dime came out. So I told her, I really don't remember what she said, but I remember feeling like, eh, that, that sucks. I feel bad for that lady. I said, you know what? I'm going to take this on myself. I'm going to figure it out. I was the one who swallowed the dime in the first place. Let me be accountable. So instead of going to the nurse's office, right, whenever I had to go to the bathroom, you know, I said, I'm going to do it by myself. And this is where I feel so bad for my fifth grade teacher because the mind fuck on this had to be unimaginable, okay? Imagine being a fifth grade teacher and one of your students raises their hand. Hi, can I go to the bathroom? You say, sure. Then all of a sudden, the kid reaches into their backpack and whips out one latex glove and then proceeds to go to the bathroom. I can't even imagine what was going through their head. I can't. To make a long story short, I never really ended up finding the dime, but we got an x-ray later, like two weeks later, and it ended up being gone. So it, it ended up coming out at some point. Who knows? See, that's like one of those funny stories you tell at like a family gathering or something like that you recall when like you get older. It's like one of those funny stories. This next one... It ain't so funny. Uh, This story changed my life forever. Ever since this happened, I've really learned to tone down being the funny guy at some points, okay? I mean, it was probably bound to happen at some point or another, but this was something that, yeah, you know, I'm just going to get into it. So my senior year of high school was kind of a breeze. I already knew where I was going to college. I finished all my credits, this and that, so I kind of just like floated through, right? And I had a lot of off periods. During my off periods, me and my boy Brady, we get bored a lot, right? So what did we do? We went on Craigslist. We started making prank calls. And Brady and I, we used to make the prank calls all the time. I mean, we would call every 24-hour fitness, every gym in the area. And we basically, oh, I was using the light press machine. All of a sudden, it broke, landed on my nutsack. Now I can't. And, like, it was just, we thought it was great. We called right in. I got this rash on my ass. And whatever. we would That's what we would do. We would hang out and we would prank call people. And you would think, like, as you get older, you grow out of it. Not the case at all. Senior year, I'm sitting in the cafeteria with Brady, and we're calling people on Craigslist selling used cars, and the plan was we were going to absolutely lowball them. And keep in mind, folks, this is 8.30 in the friggin' morning, and some people would answer, some wouldn't, some would just hang up. Some thought it was funny, but this one person in particular must have been having a bad morning, okay? I called this guy, and he was selling a truck. I forget the brand. And he picked up the phone. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm calling about your Chevy, whatever. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? I said, what do you think about 50 bucks? And he goes, go fuck yourself. And he hung up. And my my buddy Brady and I thought it was hilarious, right? We were peeing our pants laughing. And then Brady goes, call him again. All right, folks, listen. Take this advice from the master prank caller himself. If somebody says call him again, you're asking for a problem, okay? That is a grade A recipe for disaster. One, because it becomes harassment, and two, because you don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I called him back, <laughs> and he didn't end up answering, so I left him a message. And the message said somewhere along the lines of, come on, please, $50, why not? And I hung up. And then I called him a third time, like an absolute moron. That time, it went straight to voicemail. So my off period ends, and I'm going into my art class, right? So I'm painting this painting we're doing in the art class or whatever. All of a sudden, I look over my phone. I got a text from my mom. I'm like, oh, what's my mom? I hope she's having a great day. I pick up my phone, and the text reads, did you call somebody about a truck? I don't think I've ever felt so much fear 
in my entire life. So I answer the text, I say, yeah, and then I get a response in all caps, stop, with a period. So now I'm freaking the fuck out. I leave my class, I call my mom, I'm like, mom, what's going on? She's saying, this guy called me, telling me you wanted a low bomb for a truck. What the fuck's the matter with you? He's saying he knows who you are. He knows where you live. You don't do that. You mess with the wrong one. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh my. So I'm freaking out, right? And I say, Mom, okay, I'm sorry. Let me handle this. I hang up the phone, and I call back the number that I called. And I know what you're thinking, Nick, didn't you block the number? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I know that was a mistake. I didn't block the number. Yeah, I messed up. I know. So I'm, I dialed the number. I'm, I'm waiting for this guy to pick up. And I'm basically hyperventilating at this point. And the guy answers the phone. He starts it off by saying, hey, what's up, Nick, at blah, 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 and says my address. And I'm really trying my hardest not to sound scared in my voice. I want to sound confident and stuff like that. I say, yeah, that's me. And he goes, I just got off the phone with your mother. And in the tone of voice in which he said, I just got off the phone with your mother, it made me very annoyed and, like, angry in the back of my head. I remember thinking to myself, like, what the fuck you should... Like, I, that's how I wanted to react. But I was clearly in the wrong. And in situations like that, it's way better to admit that you're wrong, right, and be apologetic than it is to fight fire with fire. So I'm on the phone and I say, you're right, sir, I'm sorry. And he cuts me off and he goes, let me ask you something. You got nothing better to do in your day at 8.30 in the fucking morning, call me. And then it was like a moment of realization. I was like, yeah, now this guy's right. I'm, I'm an idiot. And so I said, You're, sir, I have nothing better to do, and I apologize, and it won't happen again. Listen, I'll never call you again. You never call me again, and it'll just be at that. So it ended up being a very peaceful phone call at the end of it. The guy actually ended up being a, a, a law enforcement, a guy in the law enforcement. I don't know if he was a cop or a detective or something like that. And he was just trying to teach me a lesson. But the more the story, like, like this guy could have been a freaking lunatic, you know? I mean, thank God he wasn't. But what I'm saying is, like, he I mean, on the phone, he had my full name, he had my birthday, he had my address, he had the high school I went to. It was fucking nuts. It really could have been a fucked up situation. I was at school. My mom was home. This guy's calling my house, telling me he's going to do X, Y, and Z, yelling at my mom, calling her all these names. All because I called this guy. I asked to tell him $50 he, I wanted for his truck. I said, give me $50 for the truck. I mean, that's probably not why. I mean, the more I think about it, it's not why he was upset. He was upset because I, I called him three times. And now even thinking about it, it wasn't three times. I probably called him around five or six times. Five or six times, but it's besides the point. So I'm sure you're probably wondering how uh, my dad took this whole thing. And uh, went a little something like this. See, when I get into situations like this, my dad handles it very well. He handles it very well in a sense that he scares the ever-living shit out of me. The whole day, I didn't get a single text, I didn't get a single call, but I knew that he knew that was, like, what went on throughout the day, and he wanted me to sweat it out. He wanted me to think about it at every second, what's he going to do when he comes home, what's he going to do when he comes home, and that's exactly what I did. So I would get home from school around 3 o'clock, and my dad would get home from work usually around, like, 5.36, so that was, like, a two-and-a-half to three-hour window of pure hell and anxiety. I mean, I knew that my dad wasn't going to be home for another three hours, but every five minutes I was looking out the window waiting for the truck to pull into the driveway. I don't know if this is just me, but when I knew that I was fucked by my parents, like I was in trouble, I did whatever I could to make sure that they couldn't get on me for every, anything else besides the, the problem at hand. So I cleaned my room, I did my homework, I did the dishes, I did everything I had to do, so if they were going to go off on me, that was the only thing that they could go off on me about, nothing else. Because you know when your parents, they yell at you, and like, and that's because, and I bet you haven't done this, and I bet you didn't do that, right? And I wanted to make sure that I had ammunition for when they were going to ask me those questions. Did you do your, I bet you didn't even do your homework. Oh, really? Here it is, Dad. 
And so that's what I did throughout that whole three hours while I'm sweating it out. So that three hours felt like a friggin' eternity. But finally, my dad pulled into the driveway. And when I when he pulled into the driveway, I did a little peek jump. I was peeking out of my window, and I wanted to gauge, like, the mood that my dad was in just by the looks of his body language and stuff like that. What's his face like? I wanted to make... I wanted to try and, like, grasp what his energy was. Was he going to come in hot? Was he gonna, just going to be pissed off, this and that? And so my dad walks in, and I'm all enthusiastic. I'm like, hey, Dad, how's it going? And I knew he wasn't going to be enthusiastic back. I, I knew. But I was out of options. I said, you know what? Here, I'm just going to throw this one out there. It's like when you go fishing, and you are gonna th- and you say one more cast, and you think you're going you're gonna to catch a fish on the last cast. But it never happens ever in your life. That was me. I was just throwing out one more cast. So my dad don't even look at me. He just get upstairs. I'm like, ah, all right. So I'm sitting in the hot seat, and if there's one thing I've learned about growing up in a strict old-school Italian household is when you fuck up, you basically got to be like one of them punching dummies from Dick's Sporting Goods. You know what I'm talking about? When you walk by it in the in the, in that aisle and you see it, it's like the just that like guy's torso, and every single time you walk by, you got to throw at least one jab at it or smack it across the face. That's what you got to be, one of them fucking dummies. Because if you talk back, if you offer a rebuttal, you're just asking for problems. You can't fight fire with fire in that scenario like I was saying before. So I'm sitting there, my dad, so you want to be the funny guy, huh? <laughs> Who's laughing now, asshole? And just like grilling me, like getting, ripping me a new asshole. And I just sit there, I say, you're right, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, I really learned from this one. And you know, that's it. So I guess the moral of that story is a few things. One if you're going to make a prank call, don't do it at 8.30 in the morning. And if you're going to call, call like a business or like something like that. Don't call someone on Craigslist because the Craigslist, they're not attached to a business. Like you're calling just another person. And I'm, now that I think about it, if you put yourself in their shoes and someone called me like that, I would have ripped them a new asshole too. I mean, I wouldn't have like went out and found out where they lived. But like I, I wouldn't have taken it very well is, is what I'm getting at. And don't you dare try to tell me that when you're in Dick's Sporting Goods and you see one of them fucking dummies, you don't gear up and hit it with the meanest smack of your life every time you walk by it. Don't even try to lie to me like that. Okay, that's all I got for this week's episode. Um, I want to thank everyone for joining me. If you like this style of podcast, if you like the stories, please, please, please let me know. You can leave me feedback via Instagram DM. Shoot me a DM over at Nikki.cash on Instagram. And I got stories for days, folks. If you like this style, like I said, let me know because I could tell more and more stories. I got stories up the wazoo I could tell. Not just of me being an ass, just the funny stuff that's happened in my life that I love to retell and recreate. But anyways, I want to thank you for joining me on episode two of the podcast. I want to thank everyone for for showing love and sharing the first episode. It means more than you'll ever know. This is going to be out before Thanksgiving, so... All you have a great Thanksgiving, have a happy Thanksgiving, spend time with your friends and family. Well, (laughs) keep it small, okay? 10 to 12 people, follow the rules. Uh, I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone stays healthy. And yeah, that's it. Listen, I hope you have a great day. I hope I made your day just a little bit better. And tune in next week for the next episode. All right? I love you all. Take it easy. (laughs) 